When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Welcome to another exciting edition of Talking Real Money, the podcast. Actually, it is slightly more exciting than yesterday's would have been. I was under the weather yesterday, so I think I slept like 24 out of 48 hours, so I feel a little better, but I got something in my chest. Well, that's not your concern. I know what your concern is. I keep hearing from people. Thought you were all trained better. Really? Okay, let's go through this all over again. Coronavirus. Not a good thing, but it won't destroy the global economy. It might set it back a couple of months, but we've had all kinds of things set the economy back in the past and we've survived it so guess what you need to do yeah you're right be patient got your hopes up this morning though didn't (laughs) today's if you're listening to this podcast on wednesday the 26th of february you know it's going pretty well this morning then it ended up closing down but the numbers the day to day to day to day to day month to month numbers don't matter listen to monday's podcast from the 24th I gave you some actual numbers. You cannot let this kind of movement, these kinds of events, dissuade you from doing what you're supposed to be doing as long as you're investing in a well-diversified manner based on your risk tolerance. You're going to be fine. It's those of you who have been gambling and are still gambling by being all in the United States, 100% in equities or in individual stocks or whatever it might be, who are taking huge risks. But you're gamblers and you know you are. You just don't like to admit it. Right? You know you are. It's a gamble. If you're not a gambler, you diversify globally. You go use our two fund solution. You go get a risk quiz and you just stop worrying. That's what you do couple of quick things. Yes, there might be some impact on the United States from the coronavirus. We don't know predicting the future. That's an impossible thing. Viruses come and then they stop sometimes. Who knows? If you're worried about it, get a mask. I'd be more worried about you than about the global economy. Two, presidents don't matter. I know. The new worry is we're going to either have a President Bernie or a President Donald. Well, yeah, we might or we might not. But presidents don't control the U.S. economy. Otherwise, things would probably be a whole lot different than they are now. Presidents can't change the economy. They can't make edicts as much as they'd like to. Bernie can't come into office and say magically all the insurance companies are gone. He cannot do that. He doesn't have that power. Why do we keep thinking these people are omnipotent? They're not, and they're not supposed to be. That's about as political as this show's going to get. So um, neither of those things are going to affect you long term. And you have to put things in perspective. 9-11, scarier than today, right? 
much scarier than today. Crash of 87, scary for a day, really scary. But you know what really, really, really should have scared the economy to death? And it nearly died in parts of the world? That happened over 75 years ago. They called it World War II. Talk about shutting down economies. The economy of most of Europe was utterly destroyed. The economy of large parts of Asia, utterly destroyed. Almost the entire consumer economy of the planet was converted to war. And yet, during those years, U.S. stocks did well. Foreign stocks didn't do so well, but U.S. stocks did well. And then there have been times when the U.S. doesn't do well. Ja uh, there was a time in the 70s. U.S. didn't do well. Japan did well. There was a time in the 90s. The U.S. did well. Europe didn't do well. Then in the 2000s, the rest of the global economy did really well. The United States didn't do well. You can't play these games. You're going to make yourself crazy. Take a deep, deep breath diversify based on your risk tolerance and keep listening to all of our podcasts. Keep listening because I'm just going to keep saying it. Okay. You better. Good. Now we're going to answer some questions that are both sent in to talkingrealmoney.com and called in to 855-935-TALK. 855-935-8255. We'll start with a send in. The subject of this question is fully paid lending. So I have an E-Trade account I use to hold my Vanguard and other securities. I just received an email regarding lending E-Trade my paid securities for additional income. See the link below. Have you ever heard of this? I looked at the link. I knew what it was, but I'd ha I have heard of it. It's called hypothecation. Brokerage firms do this all the time from their own accounts. And they also do it all the time from bigger clients' accounts. The fact that E-Trade and others are, are, are getting now a, a, to, to such a scale that small accounts can be combined, they are offering to hypothecate, to lend to someone else your stock. And in return, they get collateral. They put that in your account. In this case, it's cash collateral. Your shares are borrowed by someone else who wants to sell them short. In other words, they want to sell the stock, but not own the stock. So they will pay you a small amount of interest to do so. E-Trade collects, I believe it's half, and you get half. If you have stocks which we don't think you should have. If you have individual stocks, which we don't think you should have, in your account and you're going to hold them forever, well, why not make a little extra money off of those shares? The risk is quite low. Is it non-existent? No. But with an E-Trade, pretty close. So, yeah, if I had it, but I don't own individual stocks, I would let them be hypothecated. It's one of the ways dimensional funds makes extra money to keep their fees low with their accounts is that they, they, they know they're holding stocks forever, practically. They don't trade. So they lend them out to short sellers, make a little extra money to keep their fees low. So it's a very effective way to make a couple of extra bucks on stocks you plan to hold for a long time anyway. Thanks for that question. You can also call your questions in. You can send them at TalkingRealMoney.com or call 24 hours a day, seven days a week to 855-935-TALK, 
888-255-8255. And we're going to take a call from that number right about now. Hey, guys. It's Carl from Philadelphia. Uh, I just have a general question that my tax man cannot seem to answer. No one else can seem to answer. So I'll try you two. Uh, back in the 90s, I bought a couple of stock funds. And I want to sell at least one of them this year. But the thing is, 30 years later, I have absolutely no clue what the original cost basis was. I know I'm selling it for a lot higher than what I paid for it, but I have no clue. I have no records beyond the past really seven, eight years. So what do you tell your clients when they pose this question to you? Thanks. Great show. Bye-bye. I'm kind of surprised your accountant couldn't answer this question because it's actually pretty easy. It comes up a lot. Um, I'd be surprised, though. I'd be really shocked if your mutual fund company couldn't tell you what purchases you made, when, and at what price. I mean, that would just blow me away if they didn't keep some record of that. Um, either that or the original brokerage account through whom you worked. There's got to be a record somewhere. But let's assume not. Let's assume nobody kept good records 30 years ago, which I believe they did. But, okay, we're going to assume they didn't. The IRS understands that people can forget or lose paperwork over the course of decades to verify a cost basis. So what they want you to do is make a best effort. Now, I'm not an accountant and I'm not giving legal advice, but this is what I've read and heard and, and had others tell me over many, many years. You have to make an effort to establish a cost basis. So get a pad, write down when you bought the securities. Try to remember as close as you can the date on which you purchased them. Then go back to a newspaper, you know, Wall Street Journal or something's archives in a library or online and find if you can get the exact date, then pick the lowest price on that date. Make a copy of that. Keep it in your records. The lowest price. Well, if you have the actual day, you'll know the closing price. If it's a week or a month, always go with the lowest price airing on their side, not yours. It usually won't make a big difference one way or another, but if you know the month, it was December of 1980. Uh, well, I guess this case, 30 years, 1990, which shocks me if they don't have records. I'm just going to be shocked. Uh, that's right. Boy, time flies when you get old. 1990. Uh, you'd go find the, the lowest price in, in December of 1990. Otherwise, here's what you're left with. If you say, I can't even begin to guess when, you have a cost basis. You just won't like the cost basis because they'll impute a cost basis of zero. It's kind of like if you lose the parking ticket in a garage and they say, if you and you only park there for 30 minutes, but it says, hey, if you lose the ticket, we're charging you for a whole day. They, the IRS actually does expect us to keep some semblance of records. And if we don't, then they uh, they want us to try to recreate those records as best we can. But again, I'd be shocked, 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 if the mutual fund couldn't help you establish that cost basis. Pretty darned accurately. They've been, they've been paying you out capital gains in the lot. They know what you paid. It's got to be there somewhere. So give them a call. Make them look. 
Thanks for the call. 855-935-TALK. That's our phone number. And we're going to take one more question before I go take a nap. And (laughs) that question, of course, sent in via TalkingRealMoney.com, which is the all-purpose site for all kinds of good stuff. And now we take a question from Missouri on international funds. I am convinced that I need to add some international funds in my portfolio, but I am not sure what percentage or which funds. I have seen the country index return quilt that shows how each country performed each year. I have also heard several experts say that I should have between 25 and 50% international. Also, I'm having a hard time finding specific mutual funds or ETFs that have a 10-year average that's even a 6% return. I found just one, but it's actively managed with pretty high fees. Any ideas on this? Yes, I have lots of ideas on this. Let's start with my first idea. Stop looking at returns. What is wrong? What are you doing? There, If the index returned less than 6%, then that's how much international funds made. And they didn't make as much as U.S. funds. Oh, ho, 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 you're falling into the same trap. This mind trap that we all find ourselves into where everything needs to be the best. Oh, I need the best one. Give me that best fund. No, you want the average. The U.S. over the past decade has outperformed international. In 2000 to 2010, international dramatically outperformed U.S. If you had looked for a U.S. fund to buy in between 2000 and 2010, or that based on that record, you wouldn't find any that got much over 2%. Stop, stop, stop looking at returns. Stop. It's too easy and we make it so complicated. I swear we bend over backwards to complicate our own lives. Go get an international index fund. Get it at Vanguard. Get it cheap. Dirt cheap. Dirt cheap. The total international stock index fund at Vanguard has, well, let's look it up because I want to know. The symbol is VGT. SX, Vanguard Total International Stock Index Fund. Oh, wait, that's the investor's version. Let's get the admiral version, shall we? Vanguard. I forget. They change. They, they, it's too confusing. No, it isn't. They had the investor's funds that used to have a $3,000 minimum. Now they have the admiral funds. Uh, and they, too, have a $3,000 minimum, and the Admiral funds have lower fees, so we always buy the Admiral shares now. The Admiral shares, it makes sense. VTIAX, VTIAX, the expense ratios, get this, 0. 0.11, 0.11. That's cheap. The number of stocks in the portfolio, try 74 Hundred, See, that's diversified. And then the five-year performance, terrible, 3% per year. But that's what the international index has done. That's what you want. You want the performance of the international index. Because in years when the U.S. doesn't do well, the international stocks might. Do we guarantee that? Absolutely not. Now, one other thing, you asked about the allocation. Right now, you should have approximately 54% 
in U.S. equities, well diversified. You should have about, well, 46% in international. You want to own the market. You want to own the economy of the planet. That's all you want to do because then you have this 2,000-year history of economic growth to look back on. And the more data you have, the better the data. How's 2,000 years worth of pretty much nonstop growth in the global economy? That's what you're looking for. And then put some bonds in so that you don't freak out. Go take the risk quiz at TalkingRealMoney.com. TalkingRealMoney.com. You can also send questions in there. You can call them in at 855-935-TALK. You can also go to TalkingRealMoney.com and set up an appointment to meet with one of our advisors to ask questions of that advisor one time. Not forever. But if you just need a little help getting off in the right direction, we'll do that for you for free without any high-pressure sales pitch. However, if you go to set up an appointment right now, the wait may be a little longer because we had so much interest at Retire Meet, which was just on the 22nd of February. So let's see. TalkingRealMoney.com. Check it out. RealInvestingJournal.com. Another great source of information. we got videos at TalkingRealMoney.com and more. And uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. Tell friends. And thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, knowing can accurately consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a family registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap. <laughs>